This is a Federal News Network podcast. Supply chain security is top of mind for government and industry these days, you've probably heard. But there's little agreement on how to get there. In August, the White House tasked the National Institute of Standards and Technology. NIST has to come up with a new framework for technology supply chain security. The Commerce Agency is just now starting to ask for ideas. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday joins me with the latest. And Justin, let's begin with what we know about the NIST framework so far, and it concentrates on technology, correct? Right. It's the information and communications technology supply chain. Uh, Everything that we use these days seems to rely on that, has computers in it in one way or another. And so following an August 25th cybersecurity meeting at the White House, attended by major tech companies and and some other uh, cyber insurance firms, uh, the White House directed NIST to come up with a framework for how you really approach an organization to approach this really broad issue of, of how you ensure that, you know, a widget in a computer or a piece of software isn't going to take down your product and, and, and create a vulnerability. So after that meeting, we didn't have very many details about what this new approach would, would look like or how it was going to progress. During an event hosted by NIST last week, officials finally started talking about it a little bit. They said they don't want to reinvent the wheel First off, there's been many reports on supply chain security in the last several years, as as you're probably aware. And so they they said that they want to build off of those. John Boyens, he's the deputy chief of NIST's computer security division. He said they're taking that all into account and taking the time to shape this project. Well, we recognize that a lot of work is ongoing. We want to make sure that whatever we do, the initiative that we undertake has an impact and is deserving of the resources by both public and private sector participants. All right. So they don't want to waste their time. Then what are some of the questions then they plan to ask? Yeah, well, they're going to release a request for information to get some feedback. And they're also going to set up a public website for the project. One big question is how to not just put out guidance to an end user like a federal agency telling them how they have to approach this issue and then they have to go and apply it themselves, but to target this guidance towards the actual developers of the technology, the the companies that are putting together these products. So Boyens talked about that a little bit last week as well. Most of our guidance thus far on supply chain has been really focused on the acquirer. We will probably put a question out in the RFI about you know, the possibility of looking up the supply chain to technology developers and technology providers and how to get greater assurance. That's John Boyens again. A big question related to how you get industry to start doing those assurance uh, things and, and start, start sharing more information with the government about supply chain concerns is that a lot of companies are, are, are scared, actually, to share information with the government They could be liable for divulging intellectual property or trade secrets. They don't want to necessarily share their own intellectual property with the government just, you know, off the cuff. So that's another issue that Boyan said they'll look to tackle as part of this project. One of our big questions I think we'll put in the RFI is how to get trust mechanisms similar to what we're doing in the software world, artifacts, evidence, to achieve greater trust, to achieve greater assurance in the supply chain without sacrificing intellectual property. 
And that's John Boyens, the deputy chief of NIST's Computer Security Division. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. And Justin, NIST is already doing a lot under the cybersecurity executive order. Is this all part of that? Is this all of a piece here? Right. Well, it was directed outside of the EO, but NIST wants to build off of that work as well. As you said, they're doing a lot of different tasks since that May executive order came out. They've put out recommended minimum standards for the testing of software code. They're also working with the Federal Trade Commission on labeling programs to help consumers judge the security of Internet of Things devices, of software All that, in some form or fashion, could fold into this new supply chain security project. It'll also piggyback off of NIST's uh, cybersecurity framework, which is another, you know, way to approach cybersecurity that NIST has put out there uh, over the last uh, several years, has updated over the last several years, and is really relied upon by agencies and a lot of organizations as a sort of guidebook toward how do we tackle this big cybersecurity issue? So Boyan said that they'll build off of that framework as well, which many people are already familiar with. So this isn't going to be something that's just totally coming out of the other. Now, the NIST standards and publications are cited in the DOD's effort called the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Program, CMMC. Is this going to be sort of an extension or a different implantation of CMMC for outside of DOD? Right. That's been a big question uh, for industry. Does this turn into a new compliance regime? Uh, And, and, you know, NIST essentially does a lot of voluntary standards. They put the standards out and then let other people run with them, essentially. And so DOD, of course, plans and requiring that defense contractors get certified under CMMC. And whenever you start bringing requirements into play as with the CMMC program, it gets very controversial. And of course, CMMC is famously uh, delayed, bogged down in a more than half year review. But back to NIST, officials got some questions about that yesterday. Is this going to be like CMMC or, or build off of it? And, and they sought to quell those concerns here at the start. Here, here's Kevin Stein, chief of NIST's Applied Cybersecurity Division. We do not envision uh, establishing and have no plans to establish any kind of certification regime or program. Uh, That does not say others couldn't pick up this work and incorporate that into approaches, but that is not part of our roadmap. That's Kevin Stein, Chief of NIST's Applied Cybersecurity Division. All right, so what happens next? They've had this data gathering and this public input. Can NIST now proceed with what they're going to come up with? Well, we, we don't really know what the what the sort of path ahead is yet. Essentially, they've just held this meeting last week to discuss the supply chain security framework uh, in, in a little bit more depth, but they haven't put out the request for information yet. So that's the next thing to look toward. And we'll know more after that. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest 
credit union where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that 
I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance in some cases and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. T- can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business.
Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 